welcome to the Pleasurable Success Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Rose, and business success and mindset coach, speaker, corporate dropout turned entrepreneur, and the host of the Embodied Coach Masterclass. And I am on a mission to inspire as many people as I possibly can to step into their power, recognize their unconditional worthiness, and ultimately build a life they are absolutely obsessed with. And through this podcast, I will be spreading my message along with some powerful guest speakers, and we will be talking all things business strategy, mindset, manifesting, and of course, making your success a pleasure-filled experience. So join us in making our reality exceed our wildest dreams. Hello, beautiful humans. Welcome to the newest and latest episode of Pleasurable Success. This conversation that I had with our guest today is absolutely life-changing. I am out of this world grateful for just having these incredible conscious conversations with such powerful humans in this world. I cannot stress enough how much I love to do this work. We dive super deep in this episode all around embodiment, around addiction, around the power of archetypes. So I highly recommend that you take notes and really just dive deep into the power of who we have speaking for us today. And his name is Nathan Kohlerman. Nathan is the founder of New Intention. His mission is to redefine human optimization and modern masculinity through the mind, body, and the soul. He is an embodiment coach and transformational speaker who guides others on their spiritual path of self-discovery, taking those he serves from misalignment to total embodiment. So delicious. And he has a really strong background in transpersonal psychology, trauma-informed practices, metaphysical healing, addiction recovery, energy dynamics, and so much more. He really specializes in helping men through self-discovery, embodiment, self-mastery, self-mastery <laughs> in the realms of overcoming addiction, enhancing relationships, and healing from trauma. And he has coached, facilitated, guided, and trained professional athletes from NFL and PGA, soldiers in the USA, in the US Army men's groups, entrepreneurs, motivational speakers, and all other elite coaches on how to overcome their mental, emotional, and physical blocks. So he is an incredible human being. Learn from him, absorb all of the knowledge that he's bringing to this conversation today. Enjoy, and also feel free to share this with a friend too, because this conversation was probably one of my favorites. I mean, we we go really, really into so many different dynamics. So share it with a friend or even feel free to screenshot it and post it on Instagram so you can share it with the world. We want more people, more humans in this world to listen to this, to help raise the frequency of the planet. This is the work. I hope you enjoy this episode and I'll be talking to you soon. Hey, Nathan, how's it going? It is going fantastic. I'm super pumped for this. Me too. And I have to give you some backstory as how I, I totally manifested this. Um, I've been really, really trying to get some more conscious men on the podcast to just share their medicine, share their gift, um, and just really start to have that rising of the masculine. 
And you were my first person on my list that I wanted to have guests speak. So thank you for being here, showing up and uh, just gifting all of you to, to my audience today. Oh, thank you. It's an honor. You're so welcome. <laughs> so I typically like to start with the question on just a little bit about who you are and what you do and how you got to where you are and, and really what role you play in this world. So I will open the floor for you and I'm excited to just digest and learn a little bit more about who Nathan Kohlerman is. Yeah, beautiful. So I'm a men's embodiment coach, leader, teacher, speaker, and guide. And, you know, for the majority of my life, I have struggled. I have been in pain. I have felt alone. I have tried to fit within the constructs and the constraints of what society deems as acceptable to be a man, what is defined as strong or what is defined as masculine or what is defined as someone who is of influence. So I'm really here to help men and anyone who follows my work or walks along the same path with me to really reach a maximal point of embodiment. And by that, I mean, taking all of the information, all of the cerebral codes, downloads, whatever you want to call them, and becoming more emotionally intelligent with that information and then calcifying it and solidifying it through physical practices, which bringing the cerebral, the emotional and the physical together, we can create an energetic space for ourselves. We can create an energetic frequency that emanates and permeates much further beyond what we can even imagine to be possible to impact not only ourselves and our lives and our families, our children, but the world and our communities. And right now in society, more than ever, is a time where we can start stepping into that. We can start taking everything that we've seen from social media, from the internet, where we have information always readily available and disposable at our fingertips. And we can integrate that in a way that is purposeful, that is powerful, that we are passionate about to where we can wake up every single day feeling as though we are contributing something to the greater good much further and much greater than our own. Mm -hmm. So really what I'm here to do is to step into a position to guide, to influence, to walk with others, mainly on the mission to restore the calibration and the balance to help heal the world from addictions and unwanted behaviors that no longer serve us that allow us to remember who we are, to heal through whatever it is that we have been through. So that way we can be there for our children. We can heal seven, center, seven generations back and we can provide a solid foundation for the seven generations moving forward. I told you I was going to have to digest it all. <laughs> all right. So something that I really, really want to kind of pick your brain on, and it's what you just talked about in regards to like living in pain, living in suffering and trying to live up to these expectations of what a quote unquote man should be. And so I'm curious what your outlook on that, like what is being a man? Like, what does that actually mean? And not a, you know, type, type of way that feels 
like it's, it's contracted, right. But the expansive, the empowered, like, what does that look like for you? Yeah. And I like to, and I'm really glad that you use the words, the, the words expanded and contracted, because immediately when you say that, I think of a book that really impacted a lot of my work, Power Versus Force by Dr. Stephen Hawking's. And, you know, I really reflected on my life after reading this book and after also applying this to my own manhood. And when we start looking at the contractile states of emotion and we start looking at those not the lower vibrations, because I think there's some disconnect there, but those more contractile states that we find ourselves in. But when I found myself in emotions, in stages and phases of guilt and shame, apathy and anger, right? Those were created and perpetuated from a lens of which I always had to to feel like I was, I was having to step into something that was unfamiliar mm. when I was growing up and, and embarking in sports, right. When I was participating in sports, when I was a part of teams, I thought I had to be a certain way, right. The coaches would always tell me to rub some dirt on it. My father told me that if someone were to ever put a hand on me, that I'd break it off. Right. And these were just the conditions and the, the programs and, you know, the beliefs that were handed down, that were passed down of this is what men do, right? If mm -hmm. somebody touches you, you break them. If someone pushes you down, you get up and you push them back. You revolt and you go against someone in a, in a competitive lens. Mm. But now what I see that as, right, is this more collaborative effort, right? And we start looking at the more expanded states of, you know, awareness, consciousness, emotional intelligence and whatnot. We start seeing where neutrality, we start seeing love, we start seeing peace, we start saying, seeing joy. So now my outlook on how to be a man is how to preserve my own peace while collaborating for the greater good. Mm, because I love that, that to me, right, because... That to me is how a king acts, right? A purposeful king, right? Yep. Especially because I work with a lot of archetypes, right? And we start seeing the king and the king makes decisions for the kingdom for the good of the people, not good of the self. If we start seeing the king start making decisions for good of the self, he becomes a tyrant. If he starts making decisions for only the good of the people, but not the inclusivity of himself or the queen, then it leaves him feeling very empty and meaningless because he's always people pleasing or always giving and giving and giving and giving, but never taking that time or energy to show up in the world more fully, to start creating more treaties with other, you know, kingdoms to start building and expanding his empire that can really reach the masses with a message that really is more purposeful and intentful for what could be rather than yes. what should be or what is right. Yes. Oh, I love that. The inclusivity of the greater good and thyself. Oh, that's so key. Cause I think that a lot of people, especially in the spiritual community, like it's, it's all about like altruism, you know, like being selfless, but incorporating that, like you are a part of the greater good, you know, like what's, what's good for all it's, it's not always good for you. And what's good for you is not always good for all. I love that you incorporate that, that dynamic into it. And I'm all about archetypes too. I can talk about archetypes all day. <laughs> so the king archetype is mwah, chef's, chef's kisses. I love it. Um, beautiful. Okay. So I want to go back for a moment and just ask 
dive a little bit deeper about how this work called you? Like what was, was there a certain turning point in your life that was like, I need to be doing this work? Yeah. So, you know, I've always been an athlete. I started with martial arts at the age of five, went through baseball, went to football, wrestling, and after my parents' divorce, got, you know, mixed into gang culture, drug culture, started, you know, using heavily, being heavily addicted to heroin. And then that ultimately leading to my path into the military to become not only sober, but to try to find myself and my purpose. And when I was in the military, I discovered bodybuilding and powerlifting and, you know, all these things that made me feel like a strong man, of course. Yeah. And I carried that forward into fitness and I started personal training. I went into the, you know, competition realms. I was prepping people for bodybuilding shows and I was competing professionally. And, you know, at some point in time after my discharge, because I got, you know, discharged for uh, a condition in both of my legs, a physical condition that left me feeling kind of debilitated and physically unable to do certain things. So I wanted to specialize in corrective exercise. I wanted to specialize in something that mm-hmm. mitigated or reduced pain in one way or another in the physical way. Mm-hmm. And that's really how everything started. And I started understanding the body. I started understanding what might be creating certain you know, lenses or angles of pain. I started realizing what influences our daily movements, our daily habits, our daily behaviors. And I really started naturally picking up on the metaphysics behind movement. And that's kind of taking me on this journey now, especially working with so many people specifically in pain, specifically wanting to feel better as their primary objective. And then I remember one point in time with one person who I worked with that stands out very vividly. And that's when I started realizing that the work that I'm doing has to go much deeper in order for me to create more impact. Yes. So I was working with a veteran with severe post-traumatic stress, with severe, you know, bodily injuries, but not only that, you know, with different diagnoses and all these different medications he was on and just seeing how much pain he was in emotionally, mentally, and that was impacting him and influencing him on a very physical and energetic level at the same time. And it was really fascinating because, you know, I've worked with a lot of people and I've helped a lot of people out of pain using movement. But no exercise, no movement, no method or technique that I had in my toolbox was working, you know, and he had a diagnosis of fibromyalgia, you know, a psychomatic, psychosomatic symptom, right, from mental and emotional, you know, precursors. And that feeling of, of being powerless to help this person was, to me, unbearable Mm. because... I felt that before. And that was a very similar feeling I had felt when I wanted help and I wanted to, to reduce and to remove my own pain and I couldn't do it naturally. So that's really what led me into my addictions. That's really what led me into, you know, masking it with a lot of different substances and and behaviors that now I understand were coping mechanisms. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to, dive deeper. I wanted to understand more. I wanted to understand how the mind responded to these events. I wanted to understand post-traumatic stress. I wanted to understand complex post-traumatic stress. I wanted to understand symptomology, right? And the philosophy behind it and how I could apply it in a way that was a little bit more of a psycho-spiritual approach because 
Right. Yeah. Cause modern, modern medicine, right. Western medicine never really sat right. You know, I did talk therapy for 21 years. I've done cognitive behavioral therapy. I've done EMDR. I've done a lot of different things. I've taken mm-hmm. medication. I've taken a sleep medication. I've done this, this, that, and the third, and none of them worked for me really. Mm-hmm. And that's really why, what I wanted to do is I wanted to help people through self-discovery. I wanted to help people through self-empowerment. I wanted to help people through self-embodiment and being able to be their own guide, to be their own coach, their own healer, and their own leader and own teacher, because I got really fucking sick of having to depend on someone else all the time for something. Yeah. Right. And that translated into my intimate relationships where I had, you know, struggled with severe codependent behaviors. I had, you know, struggled in the military and being dependent on someone else to give me the answers of what to do. I was severely dependent on people, you know, on wanting them to do stuff in my business for me. Mm. But that's quite honestly, that's not empowering. That's disempowering and that's disembodied in in at least what I experienced it as. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So that, that veteran was absolutely put in your path (laughs) (laughs) Um, to, to guide you to where you are today. And that's, absolutely beautiful. And I can really, really resonate with a number of, a number of things, even just as, as a woman, you know, um, being always reliant on external sources to validate, to guide, to tell me what to do and what not to do, um, versus ignoring my own intuition, which is like a huge piece of that embodiment. Um, you know, and it's, it's quite devastating that we're not taught these things in school and growing up. We're not taught to trust ourselves. We're not taught how to be embodied. We are taught to rely on things outside of us to determine the life that we're going to live. Um, and it's people like you, it's people like you and I who are, are changing that narrative, right? And whether it's it's cap- capping it at whatever age, you know, whether it's somebody young, I know you're a father, um, or whether it's someone who's just ready to unlearn what they've learned, right? It's so much of, uh, of an unlearning than it is a learning process. Would you agree? I would 100% agree. <laughs> yeah. So much unlearning. And it's like, every time you unlearn something, you learn how much you don't know, or you learn how much there is to unlearn. Even yeah. more <laughs> it can be such, such a rabbit hole, but it's the most magical rabbit hole. <laughs> um, so I would love to also pick your brain on um, the aspect of addiction. Cause I know that's a huge part of your own story and the work that you do. Um, and I am an ex smoker. I used to smoke cigarettes since I was 13 years old and stopped about two and a half years ago. Um, And ever since quitting, I've noticed personally that I've had this, like, I've been casting judgment on other people. Like, oh, like, why can't you just quit? Like I quit smoking cigarettes and I'm conscious of it. And I know when to like check myself and be like, that's, that's not how it works. Um, But addiction has always just intrigued me. I actually went to, when I first was thinking about going into college, I went to a class on addiction studies and um, I got really discouraged because everyone in the room were addicts. And I, at the time, didn't consider myself an addict. Um, And their, you know, their default was if you haven't been an addict, you can't help addicts. Right. So, yeah, I'm curious, like what, what's your, your outlook on that? Yeah, that's really interesting. 
I find it interesting because I've had similar judgments, right? Working in the movement space and the physical body space for a while, um, I always struggled with the idea of a physical therapist who could help somebody through the rehabilitation process who's never suffered an injury, right? Mm -hmm. It's the same thing, really, you know? And I don't necessarily agree that, you know, learned experience can't be applied Right. But I, I do believe that there's a certain level of empathy and understanding that contributes to the effectiveness of yes. what can be possible. Right. Because when we look at anything, right, when we look at the physical body and the rehabilitation process, when we look at sobriety and the recovery process for somebody struggling through addiction, when we look at, you know, people even suffering from shame from porn addiction in earlier years of childhood development, right we have to also pay homage and respect to the fact that healing is not a linear process mm -hmm. and that the most crucial component of healing is safety, right? And what makes feel, someone feel safe the most is them being able to relate with one another. Yes. Right? Someone feels loved when they're seen. Yes. Right. Which is another component, right? Safety and love, the core two fundamental components of any human being, regardless of gender. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really powerful concept there, right? And I've seen it happen. I've seen it done. But I think that also depends on the individual who's seeking the help and if they're open to receive it, right? And it just depends on their preference, right? Yeah. Because someone might want to work with you on something and somebody might want to work with me on something. And that's completely determined based on their perception of the reality, mm. their perception of their experience and who they're open to receiving help from, Right because they might be also unlearning in the process that the traditional system that they've been taught and handed may not be for them, right? Yes, yes. So maybe they value lived experience over learned experience. Maybe this person over here values learned experience over lived experience, right? It just depends on the preference and the conditions and the programs that someone is working with. It's not based on the individual. It's mm -hmm. not based on lived or learned. It's just the perception of what one is open to, I believe. Yes. Oh, okay. I just, I want to like say, thank you. That has been bugging me since I was 18 years old. Oh, I love it. Okay. So going back to the, the whole piece of me now feeling like I, I feel, I feel like I put myself on a pedestal. Right. And that's not okay. Um, but I'm just curious from your perspective, like someone who is either struggling with addiction or maybe even someone who's overcome addiction, like finding that balance or yeah, just not feeling like, Oh, because I've overcome this, like I'm better than you. Like that's, and just to give you some more context, my partner, he smokes weed and I'm always, I'm very much someone who, you know, I, I you can smoke weed. I just, don't rely on anything outside of you to make you feel how you want to feel. That's just a, a true core value of mine. Um, but I'm just interested what your outlook on that is on from a sober person's perspective. Right. Yeah. And I love this because this is something I had once struggled with until I was offered this perspective, right. Through a meditation. And when we, either directly or indirectly, right? Energetically, I'll say. When we energetically judge judge something, we're essentially calling forward our inner narcissist. Mm, right? Yes. And I'm really glad that this conversation is happening too, because I think this is a great opportunity to understand that narcissism is not a bad thing. You had said that. 
narcissism is a defense mechanism established by a fight response in the nervous system through trauma. And a lot of the times we develop these narcissistic tendencies like judging or putting ourselves on a certain pedestal to uphold our own image because we're not actually facing the judgment we have for ourselves. Yes. Right? Yes. And that's really what this is providing us when we notice that we might be casting judgment on somebody that's going through addiction. And then we're sitting there saying, well, I've done it. Why can't you done do it? Right. That's us judging the part of us that couldn't do it. Right? Mm, oh my gosh. Yes. So it's, it's being able to move out of that and through it actually to practice compassion, right? Because as we're having this person in front of us as a direct reflection of where we once were, it's offering ourselves an opportunity to heal a part of ourselves in the process that we are mirroring in real time, right? Yes. Because everything is that reflection projection. Everything is simply just the reflection and being able to perceive the reality that's in front of us, right? And it's, and it's really beautiful, right? And, you know, I call it how it is. And I tell people, like, sometimes you just have to hit rock fucking bottom. Mm. And that's okay. Sometimes you need that hit of weed. And that's okay. Because why? You're fucking human. But if we continue shaming ourselves and saying that this is wrong or that this is bad or that, you know, we are in essence having to seek something outside of us in order for us to feel better, right? That inadvertently is going to come with a level of shame, which then perpetuates the self-perpetuated shame cycle, right? Yes. Which then also circles back and then it says, oh, wait, I'm feeling the shame again. Let me go to the initial substance that I feel shame of. And then the cycle repeats and continues. Oh my gosh. Okay. Listeners, please like go back 20 seconds and just re-listen. I know I'm going to. That was so incredibly powerful. Like I was getting goosebumps all while you were speaking. Cause it was just like, yes, 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 that's it. Um, and such a, such an incredible reality check for me as well. Right. This is such medicine. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, okay. So I also wanted to talk about you just being a total badass when it comes to advocating for men and, what is this like underlying passion? Like, why is it so important that we have people like you doing the work that you're doing? This is one of my favorite conversations, clearly. But, you know, this is really important to me because, you know, I've seen a lot of different groups. I've seen a lot of different communities. I've seen people build communities for healing, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. But I'm not trying to promote communities that reinforce trauma bonding. I'm not mm. trying to bring people closer because they're experiencing pain, right? I want to bring closer people closer because they are integrating their pain, right? Right. And I think that is really why I'm so passionate about it. Because again, there's nothing wrong with any of these groups. They all serve a purpose, right? You see the men's groups that are promoting, you know, kill the inner bitch. And then you have the other groups that are saying, connect to your divine feminine more, right? Yeah. And each one having different polar opposite sides of the spectrum serve a purpose. But my, my purpose, right, is to take this over here on that killing the inner bitch mm -hmm. and being the savage and being, you know, the alpha, right? And then coming over here and bringing that softness and that gentleness and that emotional, intelligent man and bringing them into the middle and saying, how do we create these soft, gentle savages yes. that can access something within their psyche and within their bodies 
anytime they choose and for them to have the expanded awareness and the capacity to call whatever fucking archetype forward in the moment that it presents itself because that is embodiment it's being able to integrate the shadows integrate the darkness saying yes there is an inner killer in me but i will only bring that killer out if it threatens myself or my family if it yeah. threatens my purpose, right? It serves a purpose. But now what weapon can I choose for this battle? Do I really need to kill this? Or do I just simply need to put up a barrier or a boundary strong enough to protect it, right? And there's a level of discernment there. And there's a level of awareness that I believe men can call forward to where now we're taking this logic, we're taking this intuition, we're taking this masculine, we're taking this feminine, this yin and this yan. And now we're creating a calibrated energy around us now we're creating a calibrated effort right to move and 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 intentionally move the, the world forward right and then yes. provide the spaces necessary for healing to occur for women mm. right to establish the spaces for our children to learn and adopt these methods and modalities and these tools and techniques in everyday homes rather than the spirituality centered on the street yes oh okay this is so good <laughs> This is so good. The discernment and the awareness bringing in intention as we move forward in this world. All like my mouth is watering over here. You're talking my language. Okay. So you're, you're bringing up a lot about archetypes and I'm huge on archetypes, but obviously I work mainly with women. So we play a lot with uh, feminine archetypes, but I'm so curious, like what are, what are the main archetypes you personally like to play and teach and where might one start with that? Yes. So there's a lot of stuff out there on archetypes, right? And I use, I would say eight main archetypes. You know, if you, if you follow your Carl Jung's work, there's 12 archetypes. Mm -hmm. If you follow the Myers-Briggs, which are all archetypes and in themselves, right? You have about 32 different archetypes, depending on introverted, extroverted, right? Strong yeah. or, you know, passive, whatever the case may be. But I really like working with eight, five of them, four of them being specifically masculine archetypes, one being almost like a, a guide archetype and three being like fundamental core archetypes from developmental work. Mm -hmm. So I like working with the sovereign also known as the king. I like working with the mystic also known as the wizard. I like working with the warrior and I like working with the lover, right? As the primary four masculine archetypes, right? Joseph Campbell has an amazing book, King, Warrior, Lover, Magician, creating a very fundamental component and understanding of these things, but then being able to understand, right? What are the hyper-masculine and hyper-feminine shadows of each, right? Yes. Hyper-yin, hyper-yang, right? So now you can start of curate this spectrum of availability, this spectrum of capacity, right? When applied in a coaching or personal development space with inquiry and certain prompts and rituals, we can start unlocking and understanding these, creating a more aware, expanded awareness around masculinity in general for men. Yes. And then I use the guide, which is what you see behind me in this background, right? It's the overseer of all these archetypes. It's the one who determines, right? Which archetypes are imbalanced? Which ones are we heavily leaning on? Which ones are we not calling forward? And this is almost like our spirit guide in a uh -huh. way, right? It's checking us and saying, hey, you need to tap into the lover a little bit more here. Hey, call in the warrior a little bit more here, right? And we're just using these as different symbols and characters in our story to make it a little bit easier, right? Yeah. 
but then working specifically with trauma and developmental work, I would work with the mother, the father, the child, mm-hmm. right? A lot of that also derived from Carolyn Miss's work, you know? So it's kind of like a combination of all these things, right? But then when we start using archetypes, what it really allows us to do, and the most powerful part about archetypes, why I love them so much, is because it allows us to step into an observational standpoint, right? We're not immersed in within the experience anymore. Now we're able to see and discern from a place outside of us into the third, into the meta, into the observer, which allows us to remove our personal attachment to the experience to create a sense of understanding around the narrative, a sense of understanding around the experience to where then we can find forgiveness. Then we can actually release the pain. Then we can actually integrate the lesson that we learned from that experience alone, right? Okay, so you brought up a really great point as to like why they're so important and like, you know, we, we have this certain narrative about ourselves, like, oh, we are this type of way. And for me, where archetypes have really just unlocked so many portals. And for me, I have the, the lioness, the chemist, the seductress, the romantic and the celebrity. Those are the the main archetypes that I like to play with and teach. And these archetypes really have allowed me to tap into versions of me that I felt extremely disconnected from. And do you know, have you read the book? Um, what is it? Oh, Alter Ego by Todd Herman. <laughs> so it's an interesting book because the name of it at first, I was like, oh, Alter Ego, like I, I can just be me, you know, and, and that's awesome. But what I didn't realize was this alter ego was you. It was just a version of you you weren't allowing yourself to be because you put yourself in a box or a category and you are the way you are, right? Quote, unquote. So reading that book really allowed me to realize that this, you know, awkward, kind of timid, stutters all the time, like that version of me who I always just thought I was, she actually had a version of her that could be bold, that could be loud, that could take up space, that could be confident, right? That could be sexy. And that was just so eye-opening for me. So I would recommend looking into that book, by the way. It's, it's quite interesting just how you can activate those different versions of you. But I feel like archetypes for me have been that gateway of just letting myself embody all of me, all the parts of me and not putting myself in a category or in a box that keeps me small. Would you agree? hundred percent. Yeah. And I'm definitely going to look into that book too, because this is, you know, really what Carl Jung talks about, right? These are our neuropsychic centers and abilities that we all possess, but somewhere, somehow someone developed this grand scheme to develop a personality test, right? Which then says you are this, right? Yes. And these are your strengths. These are your weaknesses. And therefore these are going to be the problems, right? But when we read these things, when we take these tests, number one, when we take these tests, right, we have to understand that our ego is answering most of the questions. Right? Yeah. What do we want us to be? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> totally. Right. And every single question, there's a, oh, is this really who I am? Like there's yeah. this question of sense of self, every, every question through the process, right? It's frustrating, right? Absolutely. And then you get to some questions and you're like, oh, I feel like a real piece of shit about myself right now. Right. <laughs> you <laughs> totally. know, they're not, they're not conducive, right? <laughs> And that's really what I like about archetypes. And I, and I just finished a, a masculine archetype quiz, right? Which is a simple quiz, right? But based on, you know, which answer describes you most, right? Which one do you actually encounter real life struggles with, 
right? It can associate to a shadow element of it. It can associate to a certain behavior or trait and say like, okay, well, this is maybe the archetype that we're going to work with first, right? So it gives us an opportunity to start with, to lay a foundation, right? Yes. Rather than putting people in a box, what you're doing is you're allowing them to see the potential outside of it, right? Absolutely. That's the beauty of it. And then the reinforcement that we all have these neuropsychic centers within us. We all have these archetypes within us. Because if we look at the archetypes like characters within a story, if your life is the story within that book, they're all within that one book, they might just be coming in different chapters of the life, right? Exactly. And it's way, it's, it's, it's to me more focused on expansion and growth rather than restriction and, and, and labels, right? Yeah. That's really how I can see the difference of it. Well, that's, that's so true because, you know, we put these fancy titles on them, right? The jester, the king, the lioness, the celebrity, really what it is, is just energy. You know, it's, it's truly just energy and just giving that title, right. It helps us with the embodiment, right. It helps us step into that character and uh, unleash that aspect of us, but it doesn't define us. And you get to have this beautiful cosmic dance between all of the energies, all of the archetypes that are within us. Yeah. That's a really, really great point. Yeah. And I love what you just said too, because it's like, you know, we can put the labels and we can call them these fancy things, but it's all energy and it's just a language, right? Just like any other language, right? But underneath every language and underneath every word, there's a vibration and there's a tone. Exactly. It's like, you kind of know what somebody's feeling, even though they're not saying it type of thing, right? Mm -hmm. The only reason we have language is is to create a sense of understanding. And all we're really doing with these titles and with these labels is we're meeting you in the middle and showing you the potential of what's available. Mm. That's the cool part. Yep. And I, I also really appreciate you talking about like the, the shadow aspect of each too, you know, because like, for example, that, that lioness archetype, how, how I've kind of defined her as like, she's bold. She has beautiful boundaries. She speaks her truth. She's a natural born leader, a queen by design, but that, that shadow side is she can be a bitch. She can bite, bite your head off, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like that's, that's part of it, you know, and we, we do get to be all of it, but having that awareness and that consciousness of saying, okay, like maybe I'm acting out of a disempowered state right now. Let's go into that, that lioness who is empowered is very, very important too. So thank you for bringing that shadow aspect of it as well. Cause I think everything has that really. Yeah. And I mean, especially now, like shadow work has become a buzzword, same with spirituality, same with uh, light and love. Like these are just buzzwords now that are, that are kind of thrown around with a more fuller understanding. And, you know, as we kind of like go into shadows, we're able, we're able to see like these unknown parts of ourselves or how these parts of ourselves show up in that way, you know, quite literally the definition of enlightenment is bringing light to the shadows, right? Yes. So we're walking on this path of enlightenment, right? Just discovering these shadows and how they show up and how they play their games in our life and asking how can we add a little bit more light, but not pretend they're not there, right? Yes. Because if we pretend they're not there, then it's sociopathy. <laughs> Truly. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. I, I always say too, like doing that deep inner work, whether it's doing that light work or whether it's doing the shadow work, whatever you want to call it, it's all an integral piece of, for, for me, your business, you know, cause as a business mentor, what would that be for you? That's an, an integral piece of. For me personally, it's been intimate relationships. 
um, which kind of sets the tone for everything, right? And then, and I think we talked about this on the live, right? It's like that direct relationship that I have with a woman reflects the direct relationship I have with my business, right? Yep. Because in a way, that business is my partnership, right? It's my contract. It's my agreement. And it's also how I allow that relationship to dictate how I feel about myself, right? Yeah. Or how I allow it to influence the way I feel about myself, I should say. And for me, that's really been it, right? Because it's like, we get wounded in relationships, but we heal within relationships. And 99% of the time for me, right? That's when the shadows show their face most, right? Yeah. And I'm pretty sure a lot of people can agree to that because it's Absolutely. that minute, that minute that it's like, oh, well, this is my partner or this is my girlfriend. This is my boyfriend. This is my wife or my husband, right? There's an immediately, there's an immediate like psychological switch that goes mine, right? And then yeah. everything kicks on, right? Mm-hmm. It's that, that inner child. <laughs> it's mine. Yeah. yeah. And I literally just made that post on that, right? It's yeah. Like, you know, we live in a society right now where a lot of things that we have in our life are material attachments, right? My car, my wife, my phone, my dog, right? But how do we, how do we really possess living beings, right? How do we, yeah. right? we, we, we don't, right? But the language, right? Coming back to the words and the labels, right? Implies that we have some sense of ownership. Yeah. Right. And yeah. I think when that ownership is applied, we can start seeing really how our shadow reacts when we feel as though somebody's going to take it from us or when we feel as though we're about to lose it, right? That feeling when you get that letter from the bank and they say that they're going to foreclose your home, that feeling, that shadow, yeah, or that feeling when, you know, someone broke into your car and stole your stuff, then you know, that emotion, that feeling, that shadow, right? Yeah. Just in a more practical lens now, right? For the everyday experience, exactly. right? And it all circles back to what we started this conversation with, which is safety. (laughs) Safety and love. Safety and love. Uh, Okay. So we are coming up on time here and I have one last question. I ask all of my podcast guests and I'm very curious about what your perspective is on this, but the name of the podcast is pleasurable success. And really Mm -hmm. what that's all about is just making your success, a pleasure filled experience, not relating your worth to your achievements, but falling in love with the unfolding of your journey in any aspect of your life. So for the listeners, how can they make their, their success in any aspect of their life, a more pleasure filled experience? Yeah. So the minute that you said this, one experience comes into my mind, and this is something that we did in the men's circle, right? With every fucking failure, you celebrate it, right? Oh, I lost a client. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Failure. It's just like (laughs) that, that one image just comes into my mind because it's like, even when you feel like you're on a successful path, right? And you feel like you know, something's going wrong, something's happening to you rather than for you, you're immediately shifting that energy into a place where even though it may feel like a failure, it's happening for you in some way, shape or form, because you have that lesson that you can find pleasure in. You have that feeling that you're now being provided an opportunity, right? To step into a more empowered state, to step into a more embodied state, to step into a more loving state to where you can start feeling safe through the process, right? Again, coming back to that, but also finding pleasure in the things that even may feel painful, right? And that's really the really cool part about working with dualities and polarities is that you can find pleasure in pain, right? Exactly. Imagine if your business was a bondage experience. 
that's the yeah. first thing I go to. Yeah. Right? It could be pleasurable. It could be painful, but there's lessons along the way that create a space in a container of infinite possibilities. Yeah. That, that's so key because pleasure and pain, they coexist. They can, if you let them. And I love that you brought celebrate every fucking failure because that's how you can integrate. That's how you can expand. That's how you cannot fail, right? That quote unquote fail. What is actually failing? You only give it a meaning, right? You are the power in your own world. If you want it to be a failure and work against you, that's the reality you're choosing. But if you want it to be for you, if you want to say all of these failures are happening for me and guiding me to the life I'm meant to be living, that's where pleasurable success is at. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. A thousand yeses. Amazing. And so all of your, all of your information, um, as far as links and Instagram and all that will be in the show notes, but where do you like to hang out the most? So my audience can go find you. I like to hang out on Instagram. I like to hang out a little bit more recently on TikTok, and I like to hang out on clubhouse. Um, clubhouse really powerful just because I'm able to engage in real life conversations. They also just unlock their back chat feature. So you can send direct messages during the conversation, live Q and A's. So I'm really excited to see what that provides as well. Yes. Oh my gosh. I'm going to have to join some of your rooms. I love clubhouse, such a powerful tool. Well, Well, thank you. Let's do it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. It's been such an honor. I appreciate you. You are such an incredible man, such an incredible King, such an incredible human. Um, Yeah. Just honored, honored to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you. Appreciate you having this space, having this podcast, having this message and just having the heart you do, you know, Mm. you're helping a lot of people. and, And I really appreciate just seeing, a uh, beautiful mirror and reflection of myself in the process. So I'm excited yeah. to see what's to come. Absolutely. Thank you, Nathan. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Pleasurable Success Podcast. If you vibed with me and this episode, please be sure to share it with someone who you know will benefit from it and take a little screenshot, post it on IG, and be sure to tag me at Sarah Rose underscore D. That way I can say what's up and slide in your DMs. And of course, be sure to subscribe so you can get notified on when the next episode drops and that you're not missing out. Get out there, illuminate this world with your magic, and remember how worthy you are of having it all.